thought for just a brief moment that the choir was going to do a tap routine, but I realized it was just Scott stomping a wasp back here. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. And last week I thought Alan was back there exercising church discipline on someone, slapping them around, and there was actually a wasp he was killing. But uh, the deacons have taken seriously my message on deacons. But <laughs> See, that's right. All right, well, today we're going to be in the last uh, subject of my short series on the makeup of the church. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 20, as we look at the last group of people we find in the church. We've looked at the deacon and the pastor, and now we're going to look at the church member. What does it mean to be a member of the church? Why should you join a church? Why should you be a member of the church? And so to answer those questions, we're going to consider, as we have with the past two subjects of deacons and and pastors, we're going to consider the qualifications and responsibilities of a church member. And then we're going to, again, consider some myths that revolve around the subject of being a member of a church. And so to do that, Let's read together 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 20, and then I'll pray and we'll get into our study in earnest. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12, God's word says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the, fo- if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you have already worked out how we as members of the church are to work together, the importance of membership and why we should have membership in a church. Lord, I pray that you would work through the word that is preached today to change hearts, to uh, inform and to build up and to edify, that we might work together for the common good of glorifying you and spreading your gospel around this world. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So the first thing I want us to consider are the qualifications of a church member from verses 12 through 13. As we've seen each week, every group within the church, every office of the church has certain qualifications. And uh, the deacons were to have a, an upstanding reputation and a number of other things. And same, the same with the pastor. He's to be able to teach and to and to lead well, and he wasn't to be a novice. Uh, So what is it that a member should have as 
a, uh, a, a qualification for church membership. What does it take to be a member of any Christian church? Well, Paul puts it very simply, and really to be a member of any church, it is fairly simple. There is one requirement with, I would say, two details or two sub-requirements of that one requirement. And the one requirement is simply stated that you must be a part of the body of Christ. To be a member in the church, you must already be a part of Jesus Christ. Uh, so you must be in Christ, which is to say, very simply, that you should trust that he lived the perfect life that you could not live, that he died on the cross as a payment for the penalty of your sins, and that he rose again from the dead, defeating death and hell for you. That is what it means to believe in, to have faith in, to trust in Jesus Christ. That you believe not just facts about Jesus, not yeah, that he was a good man or he was a good teacher or even that he died on the cross or even that he rose again from the grave. But that those things have a meaning and a purpose for you as an individual. That Jesus did those things, number one, as a fulfillment of the promise of God and the purpose of God to save his people from their sins. But also that that promise has a future hope that Jesus will return one day and he will cause us to be raised from the dead and we will receive the inheritance of eternal life. So trusting in Jesus means that you believe that the things that he did, his sinless life, his death on the cross, and his resurrection from the dead, they actually mean something to you. And they mean that you are forgiven, that you have salvation in him and him alone, and that you have hope of the resurrection to come. And so if you believe those things, then you are a Christian and you are part of the body of Christ. So if that is the case, that should look like something. It's not just that faith is an inward belief, a private belief that we hold. But as we were talking about in Sunday school this morning, it should look like something on the outside. So that's what Paul gives us here in verse 13, these details of what a faith in Christ, what being in Christ looks like. Notice in verse 13, he says, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So being in Christ looks like, first of all, being filled with the Holy Spirit, which is to say that you're led by the Spirit. Your conscience and will are governed by Him. And in a simple way, if I had to, had to put it in simple terms, it means that you are fixed on Jesus, that every day you live for Christ by the work of the Spirit in your life. Now, does that mean that you live perfectly for Christ? No. But what it means is that your heart is set on living for Him. That is what it means to be filled with the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit. But second, it also means that you have been baptized. It looks like being a part of Christ, being in Christ, looks like being baptized. Now, as Baptists, we believe that one of the prerequisites for church membership is that the candidate has been baptized. In fact, if you 
came forward today, one of the first questions I would ask is, have you been baptized? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ and have you been baptized? So baptism is a covenant sign. It is a sign of the commitment that you have made to God and that God has made to you. It marks you out as a part of the family of God. Think about it this way. Just just yesterday, I got the opportunity, had the privilege of doing the wedding ceremony for uh, Tyler Pruitt and Katrina Watson, Miss uh, Lanita's granddaughter. And uh, we went through the wedding ceremony and all that. And, and in that wedding ceremony, if you've ever been in one, one of the main features of a wedding ceremony is the exchanging of the rings, right? I'm wearing one. Most of you who are married in here are wearing one in, of one form or another. And uh, in that wedding ceremony, when you pledge or when you give that ring, the way I often say it is, you know, I ask Tyler, Tyler, do you have a token of your commitment to Katrina? And that ring is a sign. It is a physical marker of your love and commitment. And so you take that ring and you place it on your spouse's hand and you repeat some words that are meant to signify your commitment to your spouse. So let's just say that you get up on the stage with your fiance during the wedding ceremony and he or she goes to give you a wedding ring and make a vow to you and you say, oh, no, I'm sorry, I can't accept that. I don't want to wear that ring around all the time, for one. And second, you know, it probably is going to leave a mark if I wear it for too long. And besides that, it's going to be pretty uncomfortable. And in certain situations, it might actually be a little embarrassing to wear it. So no thank you, but trust me, I don't want your ring, but trust me, I still love you and I want to be married to you. Now, is that going to go over too well with your spouse? If you were to say, if you were to refuse the ring, I want to be married, but I don't want to wear the ring. In a similar way, refusing to be baptized while claiming commitment to Christ is a contradiction. One cannot be committed while refusing to make the most basic sign of that commitment in baptism. So the qualifications of a church membership are faith in Christ, evidenced by a changed life that is led by the Holy Spirit, and submission to baptism. So now let's consider the responsibilities of membership from verses 14 through 20. Now here we have, again, one responsibility that is seen in two details or two sub-responsibilities. So the responsibility of each membership, each member, is simply to be a part of the body. Notice Paul puts it this way down in verse 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Every believer is called to be a member of the body of Christ. You are called not to just fulfill a weekly obligation of attendance, although that is part of it, but you are called, more importantly, to be a part of a family. You're called to care about the other members of your church. You're called to keep each other accountable and to rescue the wayward member from sin. You're called to encourage and pray for other members. You're called to support your fellow members in their times of need. 
God has given you to this church so that you might bless it, so that you might be a part of it, so that you might contribute to it in its work in the ministry in this in this community and in this world. Now, you might be thinking, but pastor, I'm I'm not a pastor and I'm not a deacon. And don't you dare ask me to teach Sunday school or say anything in front of the church or pray or do do the offering. I'm not talented enough or bold enough to serve in those ways. Well, that's exactly the concern that Paul deals with in this passage in verse 15. He uses the analogy of a body. To show that there is no church member, there's no one within the church that is useless or meaningless to that church. And he asked, you know, what if a foot said, and this is a rather humorous analogy because it seems so ridiculous when you put it this way. What if a foot said that because I'm not a hand, I'm not going to participate. I'm not, I'm not worth anything and I'm not willing to do anything. Well, we'd all walk in circles because we wouldn't have uh, one foot, you know, if one foot decided not to do that. Or what if the ear said, because I'm not this, then I'm not going to participate. Because I'm not an I, I'm not going to participate. Well, then you wouldn't hear anything. And you wouldn't have any sense of hearing. Uh, Paul says, you know, should the whole church be an I? If every member of the church had the same gifts and the same responsibilities and the same interests and the same talents, then we'd all be a choir director or we'd all be a Sunday school teacher and wouldn't none of us be there to do other tasks. And it's, I've said this before and I'll repeatedly say it as we come to this subject, subject time and time again. Every member of the church is needed no matter the disposition and gifts of that church member. And what I have seen is that those who serve with quietness are the ones who are missed the most when they're gone. I felt the loss of Doug Griffin, the heaviest or the most poignantly on the, sun, on the Wednesday night after his passing. Because I came in here and the air conditioner wasn't on and nothing was ready for Wednesday night service because Doug was the one that came and made sure everything was on and, and set up right before service ever began. Bobby Jean's loss has been felt in Sunday school, especially by Bob, <laughs> because Bob now has to take over the, the role of keeping up with attendance. This is something that Bobby Jean did for years so quietly and meekly but he did it faithfully and nobody ever realized it until he's gone. And then we don't know what we're supposed to do because he was so faithful to do it. You may feel that you can only serve in small ways. You may feel that the only thing you can contribute is to take your prayer list every day, every week and every day and pray for those in the congregation that are hurting and in need of God's work. But it's in those small things that God works. And God, uh, and those things might seem small and insignificant, but they are needed and they are felt whether you know it or not. Just like Miss Jeannie testified this morning about the prayers of our people for her and for Mac, that's exactly what it means to serve and to be a part of the body. Even something that seems so insignificant as prayer, and by the way, prayer is not at all insignificant. 
but something that we feel like, well, we're not really doing anything. Even in that, you are serving and being a part of the body of Christ. Along with that, let me emphasize that this church cannot function without a willingness among the members to serve. We need people to lead committees. We need people to teach Sunday school. We need people to go to youth camp. We need people to organize supplies and anything else that you might think of in this church. We need people to serve in those ways. Now, sometimes that service is a nominated committee that's officially recognized, but we don't nominate the air conditioner turner owner. I don't know if that's a position at all that we could nominate. But people, we need you to take on roles and responsibilities and serve in any way you feel called because those things are, even those basic needs, they aren't always glorious, but they are necessary to the mission of this church. So now that we've looked at these responsibilities, let's turn to some myths about church membership. There are two myths particularly, or actually three, two are kind of related Uh, Two myths that I want to consider. Myth number one, I don't need to, quote, join the church to serve in the church. In answering this myth, I want to kill two birds with one stone here. First of all, for the person who thinks that they don't need to be a member of the church to serve in the church, let me go back to my analogy of marriage. Uh, This is akin to a couple saying, we don't have to get married to live like we're married. Now, in the eyes of the world, that might be the case. But in the eyes of God, you'd be wrong. Just like marriage, church membership is a covenant. In fact, you'll notice back here, we have something called a church covenant. Nobody ever notices it anymore because it's just been a part of the church for so long. But when you join a church, you are covenanting together. You are committing yourself to be a part of this body. You are committing to its discipline and its teaching, and you're committing to the care and love for its members, both their love for you and their care for you and your care and love for them. Along with that, let me address the same issue from the other side, from the church's side. Now, Baptists, we're supposed to believe in something called regenerate church membership, which means that, number one, you have to be a baptized believer in the Lord Jesus Christ to be a part of our church. But second, that you should be a member of our church before you serve. Okay, so we believe that, but we don't always practice that so well. So understand, as a church, we should never nominate or approve of a non-member serving in a position within this church. Member, membership means that the people who serve are accountable to us. They are under our discipline. Someone who has not made that covenant with us, has not covenanted to be a member of our church, should not serve because they don't have the accountability of membership. Second, the second myth that I want to point out is this. Anyone who comes down the aisle should automatically be accepted into membership. So this is an assumption that has landed a number of preachers that I know in hot water. So let me explain what I mean. On occasion, 
there will be a person that comes down the aisle who either has a background or a bat or or is bringing uh, an open sin uh, that I know of or that the church knows of, or that there is someone who wants to join the church who's just a stranger. They, I, I don't know them. We may not know them as a church. In those cases, a pastor should have, and quite honestly does have, biblically speaking, the leeway to investigate that person and their commitment to Christ and their uh, membership in another church or whatever it might be. He has the leeway to investigate that further. There is no requirement, either biblically or constitutionally, that demands that a pastor should automatically present anyone who comes down that aisle for membership. Now, sometimes I need room to find more information and to understand uh, uh, where the person is coming from to ensure that they understand the gospel and that they have evidence of repentance and faith. And if they have been or are willing to be baptized or if they're living in open sin that they need to repent of and, and confess. And I'll warn you now that I will do that. And if it means that I need to take them uh, aside after the service and talk further or meet sometime to talk, then I will do that. And let me say, number one, that we, you as a church, need to have the grace to give me and that potential member the space to do that. But second, I would encourage you, if you've been thinking about church membership or you would like to talk further about church membership, then please catch me after service or let me know when you want to meet for lunch or for breakfast or whatever. And I'd be glad to do that and sit down and talk through any issues you might have, any reasons that you might have for uh, objecting to anything that I say here or any questions you might have. But if you're thinking about membership, it's a, it, in general, it's a good practice to just let me know ahead of time so that we can talk about any of that before you come down the aisle. Um, but as a practice, I want to know and ensure that you understand what you're doing. You understand what the commitment is, you, uh, that you have followed the Lord in baptism. You have uh, walked through the, the commitment and the repentance and the confession that, uh, that you are supposed to so that we can ensure that we are following that practice of covenantal membership correctly. So all that to say that membership matters. It matters to each of us individually as individual members because we are called to use our gifts and our talents for the good of this church and for the good of the kingdom of God. And it matters to us as a church as a whole because we cannot function without each member using his gifts or her gifts within the life of this church. So I call you, if you are a member already, and you have never really served much in the church. Maybe you, you, uh, you know, you've made that commitment to membership. You've made a profession of faith. You follow the Lord in baptism, but you've never uh, really stepped out and fulfilled a role in the church. Pray about how the Lord is leading you to serve. Pray about your talents and your gifts. Think about how you can serve your interests and how you can lead and, and serve in the church. Or if you are not a member of our church, but you're coming and you want to be a part of our fellowship, we would love to receive you into membership. 
If that's something that you'd like to talk with me about, please catch me after the service. Or if it's something we've already talked about or you know you're coming from another Baptist church and you would like to transfer your membership, then we would love to receive you and, and have you into our membership. But in any case, I hope that the Lord would build us up together and may we each commit to one another and to the Lord as we serve in His church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the uh, guidance of Paul that tells us of how we are knit together as members of the body of Christ. Father, I pray that we would commit to faithful membership, that we would commit to each other to build one another up, to seek uh, to, to edify one another and to lead each other in faithfulness to Christ and, and spur one another on. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone here who's considering being a member of our church, Lord, that you would give them leadership and guidance, that you would help them to work through the, any issues that are uh, coming up with that. And Father, I pray that we might be a part of that as we seek to lead them in the way that they should go. Father, I pray that you would bless us now as we respond to you in song. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.